Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. I have an interesting document for your consideration today. Cardinal Blaise Supic has a letter to the faithful of the Roman Rite in his diocese that expresses his thoughts and his interpretations about Francis's motives about Traditionis Custodis. I have long maintained that in America, he is the voice of Pacapapa Francis, and as such, this letter is de facto addressed to the rest of the lay faithful in the United States. So pay attention to what he says here, because his influence goes well beyond his own archdiocese. In this letter, you will see Cardinal Supich define the word reform to reinforce the point I've been making for several years now, that the hermeneutic of continuity is dead and that it never really was a thing to begin with. He does this by telling us that we leave behind things that have been reformed, while also telling us that we are to view the innovations of the Council in light of tradition. In other words, that he is talking about here the hermeneutic of rupture in positive terminology. It's also worth noting here that the modernists use a hybrid form of the definition of tradition, including it the relative lived experiences of the faithful, which is explicitly rejected by the Church prior to the Council, meaning he is using a modernist definition of tradition. Supic is a modernist. You will also see Supic remind us all that we are to return to the unitary form of worship, the new Mass, and in relatively short order. It is, after all, the unique expression of the Roman Rite, according to Supic and Francis. I expect more news on that front likely soon from Cardinal Supic's neck of the woods, so be watching for it. And as I always say, any person or group who is sowing sin and division among the ranks of traditionally-minded Catholics is to be viewed at this point with suspicion. If they want to tell you to avoid priest X or priestly fraternity Y in this time, it's at the very least counterproductive, if not worse. But that's enough for me. I'll have some thoughts after this letter. For those of you who wonder why I present the letters of bishops in full, I do so to prevent any accidental spin from happening. I am a fallible human being like anyone else. You can hear them in their own words and judge them for yourself, which will help prevent that from happening. That having been said, without further delay, The Gift of Traditionis Custodis by Blaise Cardinal Supic of Chicago During a recent meeting with our priests in Chicago, I was asked about the motu proprio, Traditionis Custodis, recently issued by Pope Francis. They were curious about how the archdiocese would respond to it, and what insights this document can offer all of us about the liturgy. I think it is important to point out from the outset that a careful reading of the motu proprio reveals the Holy Father's intention in issuing this document. Simply put, it is to reestablish throughout the Church of the Roman Rite a single and identical prayer that expresses its unity, according to the liturgical books promulgated by the saintly popes Paul VI and John Paul II in conformity with the decrees of the Second Vatican Council. In other words, there are not two forms of the Roman Rite because the word reform means something, namely that we leave behind a former way of celebrating the sacraments and adopt a new form. To put that word reform in perspective, just recall some of the other reforms following the Second Vatican Council, which we have witnessed in our days. In 1983, Pope John Paul II reformed the Code of Canon Law of 1917 in order to ensure that church law conformed to the teachings of the Second Vatican Council. Likewise, the saintly Pope in 1993 reformed the Catechism of the Catholic Church, again for the purpose of bringing up-to-date in view of the theological insights of the Council. The way we worship was also reformed in view of the new self-understanding of the Church found in the dogmatic constitution, Lumen Gentium, 
in the theological and liturgical developments expressed in the Constitution on the Liturgy, Sacrosanctum Concilium. With the reforms of the Code and the Catechism, the Church left behind the earlier forms. No one would think of arguing that the earlier forms of the Code or the Catechism could still be used, simply because the word reform means something. And so it has to mean something with regard to the liturgical reform. With that starting point, Pope Francis offers three important guiding principles for receiving and implementing Traditionis Custodis. The first is the unity of the Church. Archbishop Augustine de Noia, secretary of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, made the observation in an interview with Cindy Wooden of Catholic News that when St. John Paul and Pope Benedict expanded the possibility of using the pre-Vatican II Mass, they were hoping to promote unity in the Church and to counter the misuses that were widespread in the celebration of the post-Vatican II Mass. This aspiration in granting the concession to use the earlier form of the liturgy was to heal the rift with the members of the Society of St. Pius X, established by the late Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre. Sadly, however, that was not achieved. Instead, the Archbishop observed, What we have got now is a movement within the Church herself, seemingly endorsed by her leaders, that sows division by undermining the reforms of the Second Vatican Council through the rejection of the most important of them, the reform of the Roman Rite. A second guiding principle the Pope addresses in Traditionis Custodis is that there is, has to be a solid, unequivocal recognition on the part of all Catholics that the Second Vatican Council and its reforms are not only an authentic action of the Holy Spirit, but also are in continuity with the tradition of the Church. In particular, this recognition means the full acceptance that the liturgical books promulgated by St. Paul VI and St. John Paul II, in conformity with the decrees of Vatican Council II, are the unique expressions of the Lex Orandi of the Roman Rite. A third principle is the role of the bishop as the sole moderator, promoter, and guardian of all liturgical life in his diocese. Pope Francis, by issuing Traditionis Custodis, has returned competency to the local bishop for the regulation of the use as an exceptional concession of the former liturgy. Consequently, each bishop is to decide if and when it may be opportune to grant by way of exception the use of rituals prior to the liturgical reforms of the Second Vatican Council liturgy, Masalic Romanum of 1962 and the Rituala Romanum of 1952. In his letter to bishops around the world to accompany the text of Traditionis Custodis, Pope Francis makes clear that the local bishop is duty-bound to take his decision in a way that promotes his diocese a return to unitary celebratory form. Pastorally, fulfilling the aims of Traditionis Custodis will require that we, as pastors, accompany people in coming to an understanding of the link between the way we worship and what we believe, keeping in mind that the Holy Fathers desire that pastors are to lead the faithful to the sole use of the Reformed liturgical books. Accompaniment may take the form of visiting with the faithful who have regularly attended Mass and celebrated sacraments within the earlier rituals to help them understand the essential principles of renewal called for in the Second Vatican Council. It must also involve helping people appreciate how the Reformed Mass introduces them to a greater use of Scripture and prayers from the Roman tradition, as well as an updated liturgical calendar of feasts that includes recently canonized saints. Accompaniment may also mean creatively including in the Mass reformed by the Council elements which people have found nourishing in celebrating the earlier forms of the Mass, which has already been an option. Example, reverent movement and gestures, use of Gregorian chant, Latin and incense, and extended periods of silence within the liturgy. I believe that we can use this opportunity to help all of our people come to a fuller understanding of the great gift 
that the Council has given us in reforming the way we worship. I take seriously my obligation to move forward in a way that promotes a return to a unitary, celebratory form in accord with the directives of Traditionis Custodis. But in the meantime, we all need to pray, as Jesus did the night before he died, that all may be one. Signed, Cardinal Blaise Supich, the Archbishop of the Archdiocese of Chicago, Illinois. Wow, what a letter. Note that we are to return to the new Mass. No time frame was given by Francis when he said that in his accompanying letter, nor is there any time frame given here. But the goal is clear, to eliminate the traditional Mass in its entirety. Over at the Remnant, they published possibly the best talk on the permanency of the traditional Mass that I've ever seen and the nature of obedience that we are due to the Pope in the hierarchy. The talk was given by Professor Peter Kwasniewski, and he cites numerous saints and teachers of the faith who explicitly say that it is an act of schism to try to suppress the liturgical books of the traditional Mass, to try to end the traditional Mass, and we are to oppose any such efforts with appropriate resistance, whatever that entails in the context of when it's happening. I highly recommend that talk, and I have a link in the show notes at returntotradition.org, as well as in the pinned comment here on YouTube. It's simply magnificent, and Professor K also repeats what Canon Hess said about Quo Primum, that it was binding on future pontiffs, and until the 1960s, every pope since Pius V respected that binding statement, and they did it overtly by publishing Quo Primum at the beginning of any new missal for the Roman Rite that they published. And that begs the question, if the popes who took such actions afterwards were in schism. But again, check out that talk. It's great, and it gives you a lot of food for thought, including thoughts like that one. But what did you think of Cardinal Supich's letter? I suspect that more is coming, possibly from him in the coming days. Don't be surprised if he begins to visit his Latin mass parishes, like he said in his letter. Those apostolic visitations rarely go well. If you're in his diocese, please treat him with respect if he does visit your parish, since not doing so would be extremely counterproductive, to say the least. But at this time, it should go without saying that things are getting interesting in the church in America, especially since Supich is known to be the voice of Francis at U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops meetings. And there is one of those starting shortly, right here in this month. So please pray that nothing untoward happens at that meeting. But let me know your thoughts on this in the comments, please, and please pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.